This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 41. My name is Nick Berlansky. We are here to talk Pittsburgh Penguins and Horwat. I don't know if that was a beer or if it was a soda. That, oh, that was a blue moon that you just downed. Yep. So you're you're definitely ready. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Horwat. How are you today, sir? I've been enjoying not having to drive for these. There you go. <laughs> but um, no, I'm doing good. Uh, the Penguins are in the middle of a what should be an easy at least two games uh, with Montreal and Detroit tomorrow. Me and my lovely girlfriend Meg will be in attendance for a Detroit game tomorrow. Oh, there you go. And that's exciting. Yeah. How was your Valentine's Day, by the way? Uh, I mean, I worked and then we went to Chili's. We really didn't make it that big of a thing. So. Oh, you went to Chili's, huh? We did go to Chili's, and I see you. You went and skated on PPG Paints Ice, and then made a lovely dinner. So I think you yeah. you beat me in this one. <laughs> I think you had me this year. I mean, we had to do it the day after all that. I had to work on Valentine's Day, but hey, everything yeah. worked out. So. So how, uh, by the way, before we move on, how was skating at PPG's ice? Cool. It was very fun. I, you know, as a season ticket holder, I have the opportunity to do it every year. I know I haven't taken you. I feel like I've, I feel like I definitely asked you at one point. Uh, I think the first year I knew you, you asked me, but I had to do something. I think it was a final or something like that. Yeah. But, um, it's a fun thing to do every year. One of these days I'll get you to it. Don't worry. (laughs) All right, I'm counting on that. I will hold you to it, timestamp it, the, what, two-minute mark of episode 41 of the Tip of the Iceberg. So I'll remember yeah. that, Horwat. I'll remember All that. Right. But what we're going to do first is we're going to review the Pittsburgh Penguins and Montreal Canadiens game that happened on Friday night. A little bit later, we're going to answer some of the questions that were sent in to us at Iceberg Podcast. But then we're going to bring back an oldie but a goodie. It's going to be oh, yes. name that stat line, bringing that back for episode 41. So we got a lot of fun stuff for you. Yeah. For the tip of the iceberg, episode 41. But like I said, starting off strong with the Pens versus Canadians, the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll go with the goal summary. First period, no goals. None. <laughs> Pretty easy one there. Second period is where we had almost all of the goals. Starting off at the 725 mark on the power play again. Or what? That's three straight games with a power play goal for the Penguins. That'll this do. one coming at the hands of Christopher Latang, his 13th goal of the season assists to Sidney Crosby and Patrick Hornquist, who has been demoted to the fourth line, but he did get some power play one time. So going to kind of even out his ice time on that. The Penguins then, a little bit later at the 18-minute mark, make it 2 to nothing with, guess who? The newest Pittsburgh Penguin, Jason Zucker, tallies his 15th of the season, putting away a beautiful feed from, once again, Sidney Crosby with Absolutely. the primary assist. And the secondary assist goes to Dom Simone. Just over a minute later, Montreal on the power play. Tomas Tatar scores his 21st of the season from Victor Mete and rookie Nick Suzuki, who's having a pretty good season. Horwood, I know you, you hear a good bit about Nick Suzuki over there, so I'll Sometimes, let you say a yeah. few words about what you've heard about young Nick Suzuki. Um, I actually don't know much about him. Is he the one they got from Vegas? I believe so, yes. Yeah, he is. He's the one they got from Vegas in the Pacioretty trade, so it looks like that's been working out for both sides for him at least. Yeah, and especially since Max Pacioretty has played extremely well for Vegas. And Nick Suzuki, in in a time where a lot of rookies aren't thriving 
at such a young age, he's still a teenager yeah. and he's playing really well in his first season. You also have to think about the fact that they just sent down Jasperi Kakaniemi, who's another yeah. teenager. He's not flourishing as much as Suzuki is, so it really goes to show how hard it is as a teenager to make it in this league. But I believe two, he got hurt too, didn't he? Kakaniemi was hurt, but well, then he returned yeah. and was sent down. Okay, that's after what a I couple thought. games. Like we said, Montreal trailing two to one after that power play goal at 19:06 of the second period, but just a couple seconds later, once again, Jason Zucker is able to cash in going hard to the net and tipping in a good feed from noted winger Marcus Pedersen. No, I'm just kidding. He's a defenseman stepping up in the play. A beautiful play by him. And the secondary assist goes to none other than Sidney Crosby. So that makes three assists for Sidney Crosby. Really quietly picking up that three-point night. And we move into the third period. The Penguins had a 3-1 to lead. No goals really up until the empty netter by Zach Aston Reese at the 18-16 mark. Assist go to his lovely line mates Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger but that is where it ends Pittsburgh Penguins get the two points winning it four to one the inverse of what happened early in December at PPG Paints Arena when I was in attendance and they were able <laughs> to take the two points by a score of four to one over the Montreal Canadiens able to beat Carey Price three times including two for Jason Zucker first so, game is just a trial run um of course you're getting the audi- the quote-unquote audition with Crosby yeah um given the second shot with it and you know obviously takes full advantage of it netting two goals 31 points on the season for him actually places him tied with six on the team on this team with jared mccann we've mentioned it before the pittsburgh penguins have found a really good balance in scoring now Mm -hmm. there is a kind of a dichotomy between their balanced scoring which is their normal players and then there's their superstars like evgeny malkin Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, and eventually Crosby will be up there once he plays enough games. Yeah. So it's really a balanced second wave of talent for the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is, has really been helping them. And speaking of talent that's been helping them, I did want to highlight Tristan Jari real quick. Go 34 ahead. saves on 35 shots on Friday night. Now, while some of those opportunities were not really grade A for Montreal, Jari was able to be a pretty steady force throughout the entirety of the night. And that win makes him 6-3-1 in 2020. He hasn't allowed more than three goals since December 14th against the LA Kings. So does he deserve to be in the Vesna conversation? Ah, uh, I love talking about that. I I've, been to, That's I've, been I've been wanting to mention something like that for a while. It's He's getting to the point where he's going to play enough games. Mm-hmm. And you know, for a while it was looking like Darcy Kemper was going to be the front runner for the Vesna. Then he got hurt. So it really makes you wonder that if Darcy Kemper was the front runner at one point, who else is in a Vesna conversation? I really couldn't think of any. Vasilevsky's had an absolute tear recently. He could be the first goalie in a little while to go back to back on it. Um, and honestly, I'm not obviously not too worried about you know guys getting the getting getting the awards. Maybe like a nomination is nice for a couple of them. Like I said, John Marino possibility, but Tristan Jari for the season he's having. Getting a Vesna nomination would be incredible for not the rookie goalie, but essentially the rookie goalie that he is to pick up that sort of, you know, that sort of stature. It'd be incredible for him and it'd be something to look out for. And the numbers just have to keep up. That's all it is, I'd say at this point. Getting regular playing time still and then keeping up the pace he's at. Yeah. And I think the big thing you said there is the numbers. If he can keep them up right now, his two fourteen goals allowed allowed average as of right now is second in the NHL. 
and his 930 save percentage is tied for first. Yeah, a lot. So, he, at one point, he was leading all of those stats, the top mm-hmm. three major ones, the two you just mentioned, and shutouts, of course. Shutouts came and went with another rookie goaltender that mm-hmm. need not be named, but... Elvis? Yes. <laughs> I, I need to name him because I love the fact that one of the best goalies in the league right now is named Elvis. I just love that that team has two goalies from Latvia. <laughs> I just love that on his helmet, it says the fifth line right on the front. Oh, no, it does not. <laughs> it does. Okay, so well, I need But to what see we were that. talking about is, does Tristan Jari deserve to be in the Vezina conversation? Yeah. And I do agree with you. He deserves to be in the conversation, whether that is to the point of, yes, he'll get a nomination, or whether that's to the point of, yes, he's in the top five of goaltenders to be nominated. You mentioned Andre Vasilevsky, I think, is a lock for a nomination just because of... The fact yeah. that the voters already like to put him there, and then the kind of second half of the season that he started to have, and really entirety of the season, but he's really grabbing headlines right now with the way that he's been playing. Tuka Rask is kind of a dark horse. That voters love those Boston guys. Yep. So he's going to get a lot of attention there. And there was one other name, and I can't re- Oh, Connor Hellebuck. Sorry. Yeah. Up in Winnipeg. If they can make the playoffs with the defense core that they have, I get that they have a lot of top end front end scoring but the way that defense looks i I think vasilevsky and hellebuck are probably going to be your front runners but as far as tristan jari is concerned he has the numbers he has the resume and like you said this is a guy that not necessarily a rookie but at the beginning of the season was pegged to be the starting goaltender for the wilkesbury scranton penguins now he has an all-star nomination he is like you said tops in two of the three most important figures in goaltending when it comes to statistics i think it's hard to really keep him out of that the only thing that makes me think that they can is they kept mark andre Fleury out of that conversation for a very long time when he was with the pittsburgh penguins yeah i mean there were some what it is but they did there were some seasons you had to figure you know Fleury was a was just an absolute shoe-in for some sort of nomination but nothing ever came of it not that that's going to hurt Fleury's legacy at all. I think he'll be fine regardless, but... Um, <laughs> Top five and wins all time. I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing for Jari right now is, though, is that on this team, taking awards and you know recognition out of it, um, he's made Casey DeSmith an absolute abs- afterthought on this team. I mean, he's a guy that... I think could be sent off at any day, it seems. I mean, I doubt that'll happen because it's still nice to have that sort of he's around if, you know, shit goes bad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously you don't want that because at that point that would that would essentially mean one of our two getting hurt, DeSmith having to get called up, and then what are you going to do whenever, he's, whenever whoever got hurt is healthy? The waiver wire again. And there's mm-hmm. no way he's making it through twice. I just don't see that happening. As much as I did love to watch Casey DeSmith last season and become a very good and steady backup goaltender in the NHL, I don't think he's going anywhere for the simple fact that there is so much uncertainty when it comes to Tristan Jari and Matt Murray's future. Absolutely. Not only because of the way that both of them are playing, but because they're both RFAs at the end of the season, and because you also look at the fact that before you had somebody like Alex Galchenyuk, whose multi-million dollar deal was going to just come off the books at the end of the season. Now you've replaced that with somebody in Jason Zucker whose contract is going to be there the next three seasons. Yeah. So whether that's this season, 
at the end of this season when those two's contracts come up and we lose one of them or whether that be in a year or two whenever the expansion draft comes around we're not going to have both of them for that much longer so having somebody like Casey DeSmith who enjoys being in the Penguins organization who is a very solid backup goaltender at the NHL level I think that can only be good for the Pittsburgh Penguins to have Casey around you mentioned he's very good to have in the Penguins organization he wants to be around here I do remember though just a quote at the beginning of the season after he cleared waivers and he was sent to Wilkes-Barre you know because Jari, you know, was given the backup, such given the backup role. I think it was an athletic article. Someone was talking to talking to DeSmith, and he said he just wants to play in the NHL, one way or the other. He wasn't too worried if it was in Pittsburgh, but I mean, I couldn't blame him for that. Obviously, it's you know, if you're a hockey player, your goal is to get to the NHL, and he has that ability to play in the NHL. It's just a matter of getting back there. Whether it's here or somewhere else is yet to be seen. Obviously. Yeah, and I just wanted to give a quick shout-out as we move on to Sidney Crosby. Under the radar three-point night for him and all assists on Friday. We already mentioned that. 11 games since returning from that core muscle surgery, and although he has hit a dip in the way that he's kind of seemed on the ice a couple of games, on Friday night he showed none of that. He has scored five goals and 12 assists for 17 points in just the 11 games that he's returned. So I think he's really looked good. For the most part, I think there has been some times where he has been lacking a little bit, but that's to be expected coming off of a surgery like that. Yeah, and we know it's, I mean, Bukestad had the same sort of injury, per mm-hmm. se. I don't know exactly what it was. He obviously didn't do this. It was a core muscle surgery. Yeah. The was same surgery? way it might not. Yeah, he had a surgery. Okay. So, I mean, we know Crosby's bouncing back and is going to be the Sidney Crosby he is, playing to his fullest, getting all the points in the world. My question with that would just be, can Bukestad kind of replicate this sort of come comeback tour esque kind of thing where it's you know, what coming back and not missing a beat? Yeah. Sort I mean, of like that. Yeah. I mean we know that like you know, he really didn't have too many beats here in the first place. We mentioned this last week. We don't know what his beat is in a penguin uniform exactly, but like you know, like I said before also, the management and team love the guy. And they want to see him succeed, and he and they believe he can. Mm-hmm. As for Crosby, we know he can succeed. We know he's going to be back from this injury, no problem. Um, it's just a matter of catching your feet again. That's all it is with him. Yeah, and it looked like immediately he was able to catch his stride with D- Dom Simone. Almost immediately, it looked like those two were back to you know one A one B kind of one C if you're talking about Dom Simone, but. Still, right. it looked like those two were back at the level that they were before Crosby was injured, which is good. And then you add that new line mate to the mix. And that's the last thing I wanted to talk about before we cut to break really quickly is Jason Zucker. Obviously, the two big goals on Friday night against Montreal. Obviously, the game-winning goal against Montreal in the second period on Friday night. He's played on Sid's wing from the get-go when he caught here. And he's also gotten some power play minutes. So it looks like they're immediately throwing him into a pretty big role with the Penguins organization. My question is just to you, what are your early impressions on Jason Zucker as a Pittsburgh Penguin so far? So far, my impression is, did people really think this was a bad trade? <laughs> like, I saw you posted that. And, yeah. And, oof, it's it's very early to tell, but yeah, I don't I, think it was a bad trade by any means. I don't think anybody's won the trade. Right. We mentioned that before. There's no winners or losers in this trade. I think both the trade helped both teams, but yeah, it's just we've. It's just the way people with like at the beginning of the season counted Pittsburgh out immediately, saying they're not going to make the playoffs. This, that, the other thing. 
we've shown that to be wrong and then this trade happens and now it's you know is this a good trade did the penguins give up too much who cares the way i'm seeing it zucker's a great player and he's on a great team that the great team first of all shut everyone up in the first place and now it's a matter of this great trade happened we're gonna shut everyone up again somehow Mm. i think so far his play has been pretty good i mean not to say he didn't have his opportunities in his first game he could have had two three two goals then the way he was shooting it so he's a guy who likes to shoot the puck which is someone which is something that crosby loves having on his side so those two should you know click and find a pretty good mold together and it's interesting you say that he's a guy that likes to shoot the puck isn't that not what we've been missing since jake gensel got hurt is the trigger man for Sidney Crosby's line. Yeah, so exactly. We just put a 28-year-old, a man in his prime, goal scorer with good speed and good hockey sense on Sidney Crosby's left wing. Is that not what we've been missing and what we were looking for coming towards the trade deadline before Rutherford pulled the trigger on this? Right. I don't know how much exactly. about that. It's just the way it is. I mean, it was a move. That, I mean, Rutherford's had his eye on Zucker for a while now, and he just finally got him. Wanted to play with Crosby for a while. And now it's just happening. Yeah, for and that, it's for that Fiji water. For the for the for the Fiji water. Yes, of course. Jason Zucker's only played two games. Yep. Oh, any last thoughts on Jason Zucker as of right now? I'm excited for his future with this team. I'll leave it at that. It's it's going to be a fun one. You know, I mentioned that. Yeah, he's with Crosby now. The way Crosby plays with Gensel and Simone, it's possible that Zucker might see time with Malkin. Maybe even some big brain sort of scheme where Zucker gets paired with a couple guys on a, on an unstoppable third line. Like you never know what's going to happen with this kind of team. Mike Sullivan is not afraid to throw lines into the blender and see what comes out. But that being said, Zucker's a great player and is great for the organization wherever he plays. So he should be fun. It'll be a fun future with him, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think so far in the first two games, everything's looked pretty good. Let's just hope it keeps rolling and we'll see what it looks like the rest of the season. The Penguins still have somewhere around a week to make another move. And Jim Rutherford has stated multiple times that that's something he's going to think about about 48 hours up until the trade deadline just to see where his injured players are. Because as we've we've mentioned many times before, we have no idea where any of these injured players stand as far as their returns. Yeah. So Did I forget again. When's the trade deadline? Monday the twenty fourth. So got it. I'm on market this time. So the tip of the iceberg, and the Hockey Podcast Network have partnered with NHL Shop to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to up your NHL apparel game. Whether it's NHL memorabilia, hockey cards and collectibles, or even simply team apparel, we've got you covered. So just visit us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast and click the link in the pinned tweet for some awesome deals at NHL Shop. It's time to gear up, Pens fans, and gear up for the NHL postseason. When we come back, we'll answer a couple of our listeners' questions in our mailbag segment. Right after that, we return our Name That Stat Line segment as well. So we will be right back. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. 
My name is Nick Berlansky. I'm joined by Nick Horlott. It's the Nick and Nick show, as, as most of you already know, as always. Sometimes we throw a guest in here or there, but usually it's the Nick and Nick show. And what we're going to do right now is answer some questions from our listeners. Thank you to everybody that su- submitted questions. We're going to start with a question from another Nick, Nick Poprocki on Facebook. He asks, thoughts on Murray apparently getting the start over Jari for the playoffs. Now, this isn't something that's guaranteed. Yeah. And I'm curious to see where he saw this because I've seen rumblings and I've seen reporters saying maybe he should, but I've not seen anywhere where it said he's going to. So I'm genuinely curious as to where he found this. What are your thoughts on if Murray should get the first start in the playoffs? We talked about this a little bit. We'll we'll glance over it again because he submitted the question. Yeah. So this is one of those things that Penguin fans have grown used to. Who's going to start in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we had Murray and Flurry, was always you know for the sixteen seventeen season. It was who's going to be the one that starts. I think both times it was, you know, Zakoff, Asterix, then Flurry, <laughs> and then obviously Flurry actually didn't get a win. I didn't know that until semi recently that he did not get a win in the twenty sixteen playoffs. But um, that's just the way it was. Matt Murray then, you know, swooped in, stole the show for 2016. 2017, it was necessity that Flurry had to start. Murray was hurt. Uh, but we were able to switch it up easily, go through and win again. But it's still a question that we've been dealing with even before the days of Murray and Flurry. Flurry and Vokun for a while was a question. I mean, we started that, that playoffs with Flurry, but Vokun took it over. I think we'll be okay if we do start with Murray. It's just the way it is he's got the experience he's playing well right now and we've seen goalies go bad in the playoffs we're able to quickly turn it around with a backup so whoever starts it i'll have no issue with really i just i would edge towards flurry or flurry i would edge towards (laughs) murray to start sure if we want to start flurry in the playoffs i'm sure vegas will loan it us to him to us just for one game Whatever, whatever, Mr. Game 1, whatever it has to be this season, it's okay. Mr. Game 1. Okay, so we'll bring back Jeff Zadkoff. That's what you're saying. We're calling up to Smith. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> him or Larmy. So, hey, you know what? He's seen more NHL time than DeSmith has this season. He has. I mean, as a backup role and didn't touch the ice. But, hey, Counts. in warm-ups, he did. So, when it comes down to this question, I think a lot of the time I would say ride the hot hand, and I know Sullivan might. But as of right now, both hands are hot. Right. So in a tie, tie goes to the veteran. In yeah. this league, you have to notice most times the tie goes to the veteran. So I think in that sense, it would go to Matt Murray. But it all depends on who's playing better at that time. I trust Mike Sullivan to make that decision. And I'm sure he's paying att- close attention to the way both of his goaltenders are playing in different situations, the way they're playing against different opponents. So if it is Murray to get the start over Jari and they're playing the same way they are right now, both of them basically playing at an even level, I wouldn't have an issue with it. If Jari's playing a little bit better, okay. It's still close enough that Ty goes to the veteran. But if Jari is just head and shoulders above Matt Murray, even if Matt Murray's playing well, but Jari's standing on his head and putting up the numbers that he's been putting up, I would also be a little curious as to see why they wouldn't want to go with a guy like Tristan Jari, especially with the way that his season is gone. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be definitely interesting. It's going to be something to watch, but let's get to the postseason before we worry about the postseason. That's right. what I have to say about that. And let's also just hope if it does come down to that, 
and the Penguins end up starting with Tristan Jari. Just hope that doesn't hurt Murray's mental because we know that's how Mm -hmm. that kind of thing can shift. Yeah, 100%. Next question from Megan Fitzsimmons. Who do you think will be traded next and who do you want to be traded next? We'll start with who do you think will be traded next. Oh, I I'll my, let you lead off. I need my notes. Uh, okay, I, I, I can lead off first. then. I can lead off with that one. I think who's next to be traded is going to be a mid-round pick. That's I think just it's going it's, it's, it's gonna to be a mid-round pick because you look at what they're going to need to get back as to what they're going to trade, and I don't think they're going to be trading anything on their NHL roster right now. I think Galchenyuk was the weakest link there, and I think he was the one position that they were willing to just trade, and that happened to be something that you needed to put some other things with to get out of Pittsburgh. I don't think he wants to trade Jack Johnson. By he, I mean Jim Rutherford, of course. Of course. I don't think Rutherford wants to trade Jack Johnson right now. And honestly, I wouldn't. I get that he has three years left at 3.5, but he's playing pretty well right now in a role where he can't really make many big mistakes or he's it's going to be noticeable he's playing in a first pairing role with chris letang and he hasn't done too horribly so i would think as of right now that rutherford's not trying to get rid of jack johnson especially with the way the defense is going injury wise so when it comes down to who do i think is going to get traded i don't think anybody on this current professional roster will be traded before the deadline although a pick quite possibly for some depth on either the back end or on the forward core. That's who I think. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to, we don't have to make any trades coming up for sure. Mm-mm. I would say if anything, maybe it's a depth defenseman for a depth defenseman, like you Ricola, maybe, or yeah. even stepping up and saying, you know, Sam Lafferty or Dominic Simone guys that are on the last years of their deals. That's, or RFAs that we have to worry about over the off season that I've been harping on that for this whole season, almost mm-hmm. that we have some guys that are on RFA deals that might be requesting a, you know, pretty penny come this summer. So it's something to keep an eye on. And if one or two of them gets a boot, I wouldn't be shocked. And I would be a little happy about it because it's something that might just need to happen. Let's second half of that question, who, and we'll stick to the, NHL roster right now who on the NHL roster would you want to be traded next Dominic Simone because he might have the most return Mm. okay I say Patrick Hornquist (laughs) harder to do with the clauses but yes yeah with the clauses if you want to deal with that but if I'm just picking one player purely without caring about what their clauses are what their contracts are it's Patrick Hornquist he's going down to a fourth line role we saw Zucker's first game he played on the first line and that quickly changed to Simone back up on the first line He's going to be in a fourth-line role. If he's going to play less than 10 minutes a game, I get that he's a great team player, and I get that what he does can be done in eight minutes, but I think when it comes to the rest of this team, he's the one person that sooner rather than later will not fit the mold right? because of his age, unfortunately. He's not going to fit the mold, and he's not really speedy enough. Age and history, or uh, injury history, too. Yes. So, so. That, that's who I would go with that. And she also sent us another question that we can zoom through really quickly. It says, why was DeSmith the backup last year, and why was Jari called up this year? And then another word that says like with three question marks. Yeah. But that is her other question. Uh, do you want to take this? Because I know exactly. Why. I don't have the answer. I don't oh. recall it at all. So Last season, it was basically the same thing as this season, minus the cap issue. Okay. Who was going to perform better in training camp? DeSmith? 
perform better than Jari, and they would have given Jari an opportunity had DeSmith not been so good last year as a backup. That's why DeSmith also got the $1.5 million or one point whatever million dollar contract extension yeah. because he proved to be a good backup goaltender. And Jari was called up this year because of cap issues because DeSmith got that extension and yeah. they had a cap crunch. Jari was the one that was brought up because unlike in Ty goes the veteran in backup goalie situations in Ty when you're in a salary crunch goes to the cheaper of the two and it just happened to be Jari and the rest is history and because no one was biting on Jari in the offseason that is also true so yeah there's a couple different factors that go into it and it is about a 1.5 million dollar deal for DeSmith yeah I was looking that one up to double check all of it but yeah so that's that one I knew there was a reason I just couldn't remember it so I'm glad you were on it um yep. we had gotcha. more questions we do have a couple more questions the last two are from our i guess you would say sister podcast the edmonton oilers podcast called the oil country podcast go check them out on the hockey podcast network they had a couple questions for us a couple good questions for us first one if you could combine the traits <laughs> of all the penguins greats to create the best hockey player possible what traits would you take from what players now when he says all the Penguin greats, we're going to limit this to basically Sid, Gino, Yogs, and Mario Lemieux. Oh, really? I stepped outside of that. Okay, if you are if you stepped outside of that, let, let's let's hear it. I, yeah. We have, I think, what, seven categories? Uh, you tell me the categories again, because I have definitely those ones. I have right hands, shot, size, vision, and then there's a couple twofers, mind slash hockey sense, physicality, and then scoring and strength. Okay. Um, I also added personality to that because I just feel like Bill Guerin deserves a nomination. <laughs> okay, well, if you're going Bill Guerin for personality, I'm going the old two-niner. Fair enough. You got to go Phil Bork because let's go down to the river and let's party all summer. Yeah, but let's... He's let the... definitely got one of the best personalities in Penguins history. Yeah, but he also gifted us Jason Zucker. Uh... <laughs> That's fair. Fair point. Uh, let's start with hands. My, my, my hands pick is Sidney Crosby. Okay, I said Evgeny Malkin for hands because I'll shoot my reason off real quick. At least once a year he has that highlight reel goal where you're like, how did he dance through it? Granted, he doesn't have his hands every game, but at least once a year we get mm-hmm. that move that we're like, put that on the packet, on like the promo packages, the video packages for the next five years. It'll be okay. Like, we're enough, still watching some of his dangles from when we were in high school. Yeah. I think basically for every reason you said there and more also for Sidney Crosby, I think it's pretty much for all of these, it's pretty close because they're all fantastic players. Just some of them to me, it was more. I also, yeah, I also made sure not to double anyone and I used Crosby somewhere else. So see, I doubled a couple people because I stuck within those four. Okay. Let's go to shot. What shot would you take from Penguins history? Mario Lemieux. You taking Lemieux? Yes. Okay. I get it's an old school, you know, obviously played in the 80s and 90s where shooting was different but mario was able to put up you know numbers of goals in times where goalies were stopping everything he was able to score during the dead puck era essentially and i've watched some replays of mario's shot recently he wasn't he was able just to not move basically Mm -hmm. at all and puck was in the corner and just dropping like it was a he had the most perfect shot for a guy of his size and stature that's why I went with Mario for uh, the shot. I went with Yarmir Yager. One of the most pure goal scorers of the 1990s. So I also, 
not just the 1990s. He was also one of the most pure goal scorers in the 2000s, even when he couldn't skate. So yeah, and he's been do- he's still doing it. He's 48 years old, and he might own the team, but he's still putting up he's still putting up numbers in the Czech Republic. So I got to give it to Yarmir Yager. Speaking size, of Yager, I was just asking saying, a story. Of Yager, size, I was going to move on to size. Okay, yeah. Speaking of Yager, did you read that story on the Athletic? I did. Yes. Oh, is that a great about great story? Borky going to visit him if in you ha- Czech. Yeah. If you have the Athletic or even the free trial, go read that story. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. We'll Good see Yager back Rossi. in Pittsburgh soon. I would hope so, and I would hope nobody boos him because if you do, you're stupid. We shouldn't. So stupid. So that's a whole other conversation on. to have another time too. Actually, exactly. Our Twitter had so some we, fun with that. There you go. So size, I go Mario Lemieux because he was six foot four, <clears> and he was still yeah just a monster. So for size, I was. No, I was trying to go not overboard on the size. Like, I'm not thinking. I don't want this huge dude as, like, your perfect hockey player. So I chose a guy that, like, kind of has a little bit of all these traits. I said Pascal Dupuis. 6'1", okay. 205. I looked it up. Because he, you know. That's your ideal size? For, like, a hockey player, that's, like, what I'm thinking. Like, it's not overly okay. huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sidney Crosby's 5'11", so you go from there. Yeah. Um, a few inches on that. He's not overly huge, and he kind of has all these things we're discussing as well. Mm-hmm. So he kind of adds to that mold, and like he's got a good personality. He's got a pretty good shot for what it's worth, and for and his physicality was pretty was off the charts at times. All righty, vision. I also want Sidney Crosby just because you see the passes he makes, and sometimes he's not even looking. So his puck vision and his vision of the ice is unparalleled to me. Yeah, vision is a hard one because um, you obviously don't know what people see. Uh, I just stepped in a very different direction and went with Paul Coffey for a guy that you know set all of the defensive numbers for Pittsburgh. You know, in just a couple of years here, people think he was here for such a long time and set all these records. He really wasn't. I think it was only eighty-seven or so to nineteen. To after the first Stanley Cup. He wasn't here for the second one, so he was only around for a couple years, setting all the records that Batang would go on to break. And watching videos of Paul Coffey anywhere he played, you could tell he had the greatest vision on the ice when he was out there. You watch him play, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer for a reason. Yeah. Like you said, short period of time with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he broke set all the Pittsburgh Penguins records that were soon to be broken by Chris Letang, mm-hmm. but still one of the all-time greats and still yeah. probably one of the best puck moving defenseman in the history of the nhl only a couple more here let's fly through them a little quicker yeah mine slash hockey sense i went with lemieux hockey iq i put it and i said crosby because that's all anyone will really talk about with crosby um you can have all these different traits with all these other players and crosby if you just have crosby's mind he mm-hmm. could tur- like crosby's mind could turn me into a into an all-star i feel like <laughs> that's fair the, the way he elevates the play of it yeah pretty much everybody else because of what he does on the ice that makes a lot of sense. I, I picked Lemieux because, I mean, basically the same thing. He made Rod Brown a 100-point score. Yeah. So <laughs> you can look at that, and there's your reasoning there. Two more to go. One is physicality. I think of Getty Malkin. Now, if you put the mind of, Sydney, or of Mario Lemieux <laughs> with the physicality of Getty Malkin, you have somebody that probably breaks Wayne Gretzky's point record. Right. Uh, my physicality, I, again, kind of went out there a little bit and said Chris Kunitz because – he adds a little bit to all these traits also, but he was a damn wrecking ball when he wanted to be. I forget who mentioned it. I think it was on a podcast somewhere. They said 
if you have the chance, go look at Chris Kuntz's hit from whatever your playoffs against the Flyers. This dude flew into the screen and put whoever it was on the Flyers through the wall almost. And I went back and watched it and was blown away and shocked no one ever remembers that. Nobody remembers it because it's Chris Kunitz. And I think it was like his first season here. Like it may have been the 09 playoffs. But yeah. um, Kunitz also Chris... still had the ability to do everything. That's true. You know, score double overtime winning goals and ending an entire franchise's reign as a decent team. The only guy to ever succeed on both Crosby and Malkin's line too, I think. Yeah, no, I... I struggling uh, i mean you can say jake gensel now you could yeah but i mean most not prominently now. he has a broken arm but yeah but most prominently Kunitz, prior to that yeah last thing scoring and strength basically just pure scoring acumen mm-hmm. and strength i go Sidney crosby you just the way he commands the puck and the way that he can just make something out of nothing at Sidney crosby yeah and here's the one where i put yager in because whenever lemieux left his mu- couple of times yager was able to pick up and become the greatest player in the game without people thinking before he would be able to do that so that's where Yager steps in because also don't you want the second leading goal the second leading point getter in NHL history is your scorer that's very true so let's go down really quickly my zombie NHL superstar (laughs) all-star is Crosby's hands Yager's shot Lemieux's size Crosby's vision Lemieux's hockey IQ, Malkin's physicality, and Crosby's just strength on the puck and pure scoring acumen. Yeah. And then for my yours. Yeah, and for my sick combination, Malkin's hands, Mario's shot, Sidney Crosby's hockey IQ, um, Dupuis size for his smaller stature, the physicality of Chris Kunitz, the skating strength and scoring ability of Yarmir Yager, the vision of Paul Coffey, and because I'm still fun, the personality of Bill Guerin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I had the personality of Phil Bork, too. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's a good one, too, though. That was a good question. Thank you to the Oil Country Podcast for submitting that question yeah. to us. We'll be sure to, if you guys have a mailbag, we'll be sure to send you a good question your way. And please, everybody that's listening to this, if you like the Oilers, go listen to their podcast. If you don't like the Oilers, still go listen to their podcast because it's another podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, and we support each other here, okay? And I'm okay. sure the oil, or, the oil boys will like that, I said, Paul Coffey. I'm where, sure they will, where did, where did we get him from? Edmonton. So there you go. There's they the also sent one my... last thing that said. Uh, go ahead. They added one other thing to their question: Who wins in the Thunderdome? Sid, Gino, Yager, or Mario? Are we taking hockey out of this and just going pure physicality? Listen, it's the Thunderdome. Who's winning in that fight? Knockdown, dragout brawl. It's it's gonna be a tight fight between Yager and Walken. You can't bet against those See, Eastern Europeans, man. That's what I was about to say. Those yeah. Europeans are a different level of crazy. <laughs> and I don't know if Mario or Sid have the just killer instinct when it comes to a fight. Maybe on the ice they have that killer instinct to put somebody away. But listen, this is this is chucking nuts. This yeah. isn't scoring goals. And those Eastern European boys are dangerous. I tend to lean. I mean, I don't know. Yager played in the the still wooden stick era. He survived that, and he's still playing. He's, he's got longevity, like a, yeah. He's got longevity. He's 48 years old, and he's still built like a brick shit house. Yeah. But then again, Gino almost decapitated a guy in the middle of a hockey game. So maybe, you know, it depends if they're having sticks. If they're yeah. given a stick, Evgeny Malkin has more slashing, or slashing, has more slashing minors than he probably has goals in his career. So if he has a stick, I'm going Gino. If it's just down to fists and chucking nucks, Yarmir Yager. Yeah, can't go against the man. He's forty-eight years old, but he's still, like I said, brick shit 
house. Yeah, it's hard to really make a decision on that one because between those two, you do have to wonder Yager's longevity or I feel like Yager's longevity and Malkin's just, you know, red mist Russian just losing his mind. They kind of equal out. Mm-hmm. So a fight to the death between yeah. those two would be rough. It'll yeah, it would go Sid the Mario t- would be out in the first minute. I was thinking Crosby would go down first just because of the size between Mario and Crosby. Listen, I don't know. Mario's back. Oh, you got is me there. Still messed up. And also Mario's French Canadian. A little harder for, you know, just a little less intensity than I think than than the boy from Nova Scotia. I think he probably has a little bit more grit. Fair. I'm also just in the middle of I need to look it up. How close Malkin is to getting the uh penalty minutes record for the Penguins. He's probably high up there. I would imagine he's fairly high up there just because of his longevity with the team and the um, sure amount of penalties that he's taken in his career. So you're saying, what, Yager? I'm going to go Yager, I think, overall. I think think it's pretty obvious Yarmir Yager would take that. Yeah. So Yarmir Yager in the Thunderdome to answer your question, guys, at the Oil Country Podcast. So that is the end of our mailbag segment we do have one last segment for you it was name that stat line boy we're gonna but fly also before through it, we go we? on yeah we're gonna try to fly through it but before we go on if you have an answer and want to answer and want to get involved in that conversation we just had about the thunderdome about the zombie player go ahead and drop your answers to those questions on our twitter page at iceberg podcast tag us in there and we'll take a look and we'll probably feature it on the show if you get a good one or if you get one that makes us laugh go ahead and do that but before we go one more thing is called name that stat line you know how it works i name a stat line and a year for the stat line horwald also gets a hint to see if he can guess what player i'm talking about we're starting with the 2009 playoffs horwald are you ready yes i am ready eight goals five assists and 13 points in the 2009 playoffs 13 points in 09 is he a can i ask if he's a forward I'll allow it. Yes, he is a forward. I figured. Eight goals, I should have just assumed. Uh, quick guess off the top of my head is going to be... You said 2009 playoffs. Oh, now I'm rethinking everything. <laughs> come on. Come on. Just one answer. Chris it's, it's an Kunitz. easy answer. Chris Kunitz is not the correct answer. Okay. Would you like... Would you like your... You have two more guesses for this one. Would you like a hint? Yeah, I'll take my one hint. Okay. This is your one hint. here's where I'm going to get it. Here, he had a series-turning fight during the same playoff season. Oh, damn. Is Talbot... The, Talbot had eight goals? Talbot had eight goals, five assists, and 13 points. What a... What a, What do they call Underrated him? performer in that playoff. What, what Not a, just game seven. Yeah. What a superstar, man. <laughs> He's the superstar. Yeah. Just a little throwback. I figured I'd do that since he was here for French Canadian night on Friday in that Montreal Canadiens game. He was doing the PA announcement. That was pretty cool. Number two in the 2011-12 season, he had 40 goals, 41 assists, 81 points, and 87 penalty minutes. Wait, what year? You said 11 12? 2011-2012. 11-12. Crosby was hurt, so it's got to be Malkin. Was not Evgeny Malkin. All right. Who the hell had 40 goals on this team? Crosby was hurt that season, wasn't he? Not many players can score 40 goals on the or have scored 40 goals on the Penguins that weren't named Crosby or Malkin, especially in that decade. 11-12. Okay. You got two guesses left. Because Crosby came back during that. Did he? 
his first hit was in the 2011 Winter Classic. So that was the 10-11 season. He missed the first half of the 11-12 season. I, all right, my second guess and is going to be came ja- back and My second oh. guess is going to be James Neal. Okay, that's that is correct. Okay, cool. James Neal, 40 goals, 41 assists. Your hint would have been in an NHL Network docu-series, he revealed that he only washed his hair once a week. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. <laughs> yes, because it's disgusting. Yeah. Wash your hair, kids. Last one, the 2015-16 season, so a little more recent. Okay. 32 games played, zero goals, two assists. That Plotnikov? That is Sergei Plotnikov. Ding, ding, ding. You've gotten all three, and you only had two incorrect answers, so yeah. we'll give you a three for five on that one. Not bad. Not bad at all. You only used one hint, too. So yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. That was good. It's been a while since I've been able to do that, and the Plotnikov one, I believe, was just kind of fresh in my mind because we discussed his name last week. Yeah, we discussed two. Well, not discussed, but we discussed Plotnikov last week. The Talbot thing has just been brought up recently, and of course, James Neal's the only person you could think of scoring 40 goals in the 2011-12 season. If it wasn't Malkin, Crosby yeah. Malkin. Yep. Yeah. So, to finish it up, we are going to be on the Ice Analytics podcast. We, we finally yeah. figured out when. It's going to be this upcoming Friday with host Matthew Arp to discuss the Pens goalie tandem. We mentioned it a little bit last week that we were going to be on the show. I think in the back of my mind, I knew that we were going to be this upcoming week and not last week but yeah i just wanted to be sure didn't want people to miss it so we will be on the show this friday so go ahead and tune into that but that is all for this one you can follow us at iceberg podcast on twitter our show is brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can follow them on twitter at hockey pod net every team everywhere have a good week Benz fans